Hey, welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives podcast. Today, we are talking about money mindset hacks that have helped us and we've seen help others. And this is something that you can use immediately. We're going to share some tips and stories from our own personal experiences. Yeah, I'll jump in. So the first tip that I do and I I think really helps me is I, I clear out space where I keep my money. So if you're, you know, like my wallet gets very jammed with receipts and random things or my purse and clearing that out, if I'm ever feeling a little tight or that squeeze you feel where you're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. uh, clearing that out really does help. It's like allowing that space for money to exist. And it just feels like a really positive thing that you do. And it, it sounds really cheesy, but it does, it does help. I feel like it just creates a place where money can live and exist and flow in. That's my first tip. The second one I do after I clear my wallet out is I put a hundred dollars in there. I always keep a hundred dollar bill in my wallet. And the reason I do that is, you know, money scarcity is a mindset struggle that I think a lot of people have myself included. And it always makes me feel like abundant. Like I know that worst case, like I have an emergency hundred dollars in there. Um, kind of that Kristen saying and from Arrested Development of there's always money in the banana stand. So if there's always $100 in my wallet, I will be okay. I think it yeah. gives me that safety, security feeling of no matter what, I'll be okay. Um, and then the third one is finding people who charge more than what you do or like what the goal you're trying to get to. I feel like we call them expanders. So There's a, I just read this in a book and it's a true story, but it's no one had ever run a four minute mile and then someone did. And then people kept doing it after that. And so our mind doesn't see if it doesn't see what's possible, like it doesn't think it's real. So even if your body, the human body can run a four minute mile, Mm -hmm. not mine, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) but it is possible, but it took someone doing it for other people to see that they can do it too. And so in business, in life, like that's true everywhere. So if you see someone who's charging 10,000, 20,000, 30, $40,000 for a wedding or whatever your business is, it really does open up your mind to, if this is possible for them, this is possible for me. Like it can be done. Um, And so I think that's a really, really important thing as you're setting big goals for yourself and working on your money mindset is to, to see that it's possible. Do you guys have any stories of how how you found someone who's an expander and, and are able to like use that tool. I, I would say I have had different groups of people I've been around. Like I had this general feeling that maybe that person was different than me, or they were doing something that, you know, I just wasn't in that same, like, not like class of person, but that same type of person. And so what I've had to do is actively move towards people that, are at that different income place or are doing different things with their business. And it's really expanded to be like, oh, we're like the same, you know, like they're not doing anything like special. There's no special magic. I think I was like disillusioned around that. And now I'm like, oh, no special magic. Like everyone's kind of do the same. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I joined a Facebook group early on that had a bunch of women that were film shooters that were 
um, like farther ahead in business and here, like them being really transparent about their pricing helped me so much because I had just been in my little community and we were all charging about the same amount. And I didn't know that other people were, were doing more or doing bigger or that this was like normalized. And so having that information was so, so helpful and really motivating too. I was like, oh, well, okay. Bar raised, you know, yeah. like bar raised. I can, yeah, I could do that. So yeah. Information is so powerful. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to share um, some mantras that have been really helpful for me. So one of the things that was a tell for me with money mindset was I would go certain places and feel like I didn't belong there. And it wasn't as much imposter syndrome as it had to do with money or just that inner child stuff from growing up of like, we don't go there. We don't do that. Um, So one of the things that I say to myself a lot is I belong in any room. Like I belong in the room. Um, Another thing that's been helpful for me is that I'm good at making money. Like if I start feeling that feeling of scarcity or all of a sudden an unexpected expense comes up, I'll immediately, like I've had to teach myself to go back there and that I'm like, I'm good at making money. Like I have all the money I need to take care of this and still live how I want to live. It's I've had those expenses pop up and I'm like, well, I guess I have to cancel that thing. Or I guess we can't do that now. And I, this has helped me really work through being like, oh, we'll just make more. So do you guys have any mantras that stick out to you? I say that I take good care of my money and my money takes good care of me because I was told as a child that my money burns a hole in my pocket. (laughs) So (laughs) I think a lot of my money mindset struggles were coming around, like feeling like I wasn't responsible with my money. So a mantra of like, no, I take care of this and it takes care of me in turn is, has been really helpful. That's a good one. Mine's kind of a joke, but it still helps me, which is that there's always money in the banana stand. It's from Arrested Development, but it's just kind of like that to me means I have so many um, skills and so many like different things that could take care of me if I needed them to, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, you're good. Um, We work with our clients on like a, a list of assets that they have that kind of helps them in times where they're feeling um, like, oh my gosh, uh, everything's, uh, I'm, it's all about to dry up or whatever. And so that's always my reminder. Like there's always money in the banana stand. You're good. Yeah. Um, those are great. Uh, another thing that is helpful is things that are close to my body. So I might spend on other things, but not things that are close to me, like my underwear <laughs> or, <laughs> um, pajamas. Like I'll be like, I'm just going to wear this old t-shirt from my husband's office party three years ago or (laughs) whatever. And, um, it shows me that I'm not taking good care of myself or I'm buying bad food or I'm, I'm put, I'll prioritize other things except things that are close to me. And so new underwear, new socks, like things that don't have holes in them, the, like not the crappy (laughs) t-shirt, from the work party, those things make me feel more abundant and get in a different mindset. And I think in this subconscious level, like my body recognizes it where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel like 
I don't know about you, but like if I have holes in my underwear, I don't feel as confident about money. <laughs> like I don't yeah. feel as confident of it in a room. If I I'm think- like this out, this cute outfit is a lie. There's a hole, <laughs> you know. It's a well, I think we're like always teaching ourselves if we're like worth taking care of, you know, like we're training ourselves to believe if we're valuable or not. And like, it starts with how we treat ourselves. Right. And that's like what I have to remind myself when I'm, you know, I don't know, like letting my rituals slide or whatever. I'm telling myself I'm not worth, I'm not worth it. You know, Mm -hmm. it affects things. My, I think my biggest tell is if I go to bed with a full lip makeup on. Yeah. (laughs) Or I wake up and I was like, Ooh, I need to reassess. Like, how am I treating myself? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Do you guys have anything there? What do you let go? I I stopped, like, cooking Mm -hmm. and, like, eating ramen noodles or, you know, like, not healthy things just because it, yeah, that's, I think, my tell. Yeah. I never have holes in my underwear, but I will eat ramen noodles. (laughs) (laughs) I think my, I actually have the opposite problem. I think it's, like, not that I, it's, you know, that like, I don't think I'm worth having nice undergarments or something. It's like, I think I'm too, like, I'm like, I will spend all the money on the nice things, but then it's still like a lack, right? I'm mm-hmm. like overcompensating versus mm-hmm. undercompensating. So they both come, like, they both come from a place of lack. It's like, I don't think I deserve this or I don't feel worthy. So I'm going to like overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Like okay. spend more and put yourself back in a hole. Yeah, I feel like we see that. It's either the um like the miser or the I forget what we call the other side of it, but it's just where you're like, I'm gonna spend all the money, you know, or I'm gonna hoard all the money. And I think both of those are like knee-jerk reactions to feeling not safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely seen people where it's, and I've done this myself where all of a sudden I have more money and then to feel, to make myself feel safe on the other end, I'm like, I've got to go spend this or like be over generous over here. And that's, yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not good. Um, it doesn't feel good either. No. <laughs> and you're like, why don't we have this like yeah, for, like, why do I have a thousand dollar pair of panties right now? No, why do I have a drawer full of panties right now? You know, I do the same thing you do that Lauren, though, because I'll, I'll be like, I make way too much money to be like, um, like squeezing the very last drop out of my makeup container or mm-hmm. being like, why haven't I bought new mascara in a year? You know, like things mm-hmm. like that, where like, oh, I can't spend money there. It's old stories creeping back in. Or being like that selfish or whatever. And um, and yeah, it's just, it's silly. Because I'm like, you can afford this. You should take care of yourself. Oh, yeah. I would say I've seen it a little, like some of those weird little money mindsets in my kids as they're getting older, which is way more of an encouragement to me now. Where if, if I see some of them reflected back at me, I'm like, oh, no, we're digging in hard here. We're not doing this. We're going to mm-hmm. change our language together. If you're feeling burned out or stuck in your creative business, we want to invite you to join our self-paced business coaching course, Danger School. It's full of audio and video lessons, plus a workbook, templates, and coaching examples and assignments, so you can break out of pricing plateaus, reignite your joy in your business, and bring in financial abundance. 
our clients have been able to double and triple their revenue, create more space in their personal lives, land dream projects, get major features, and give back to their communities. You can download and listen to these lessons on your phone just like this podcast, and we have lots of clients who go back to certain sections again and again when they need to break out of a rut. You can find this course and all of our coaching offerings at dangerschool.com. Now back to our episode. The next thing I want to talk about is compound interest. So this is something I learned about fairly young, but didn't really know how to apply it. And my, I would say I learned stuff from my parents about the stock market or about interest, but they still had a really intense poverty mindset. So it's almost like I never heard it. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't, it was like that Charlie Brown, like, like teacher voice where you're learning something, but because of the lens you're seeing it through, I couldn't hear it. And so as I got older, I had a lot of like shame around the stuff I didn't know. And, um, and so I think compound interest is one of the easiest things to understand and start putting money into. And so getting into a place where you're like, my money can make money. Not only is it like a mantra, but it can be like an actual practice. Mm -hmm. When did you start taking advantage of compound interest? I feel like for a long time, I didn't have extra leftover to invest in anything. So it was like, if I could max out my Roth IRA or something that felt like the most I could do, you know? And so I was learning about it on a very small scale, but then when I had a little bit more to play with and I, and I found like, um, like Google investment calculator. I'll use that thing all the time because I do have this really deep fear of not being okay in retirement or later or like, will I have enough by the time my son needs to go to college or whatever? And so I'll kind of plug in, like if I put this much in a month over 20 years, 30 years or whatever at this interest rate, what will that turn into? And to see your money go from like 100,000 to a million just based on compound interest is really like mind-blowing And I think it gives me a different perspective too on like the way a lot of my clients are paying for my services too, is Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily tied to their direct work. It's like their money is also making them money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, my son just started doing investing. He has an app and we get a little like notification on my phone and an email every week of how much money his little investment has made in compound interest. And it's been such a fun lesson for him. Like he was like, oh, I can just put it in there and like go to school and like live my life. And it's just growing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it is. It's always growing. Well, like the financial independent movement has been growing so much recently too of like, hey, let's really save a lot of what we do and invest it. And that might let us retire early or like work part-time for most of our life or whatever. And so I think there's more and more education available out there. Um, As long as we're not like taking, like, you know, listening to a crypto bro or doing something that's like super (laughs) risky, you know, there's like very boring things we can do that are pretty safe. Oh yeah. And that's, Uh, for me around like learning things about money, that is one of my, I think, big tells with if I feel that ping of anxiety or something before I would go into like 
shame and be like, I don't know anything about that. Like even on social media, I would feel like, it make me feel afraid. Or I'd be like, I can't believe I don't know that and shame spiral. And now I'll be way kinder to myself and be like, oh, I just have something to learn. Like this is an easy Google. This is a, like we have more financial information available to us than ever. And so I think taking advantage of it is a good thing rather than shame spiraling. So yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I def- did not feel like I had a very clear like money education from my parents. Um, and so having investing in like mentors and watching people who are in a position I want to be in has been really helpful. Like I love the retirement calculator that Kristen talked about. It's very like when you see it concretely like that, because the Googling, the YouTube videos, like all of that feels very confusing. And yeah, I just feel like I'm dumb. I don't want to do it. That place of shame of like, this feels scary. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone that you trust and you can like watch them and, and learn from them, I, that has what is what's been helpful for me. Like having a mentor type person, um, especially if you feel like very intimidated or you didn't get that from your parents or your parents weren't good with money or whatever. Um, having someone that is doing what you want to do and can share with you in a more relatable way Mm -hmm. has been helpful for me. Oh yeah. I think it, if you're feeling shame, like trying to think of what the phrase is, but like shine light on it and it can't be as loud. And so I, last year hired a financial advisor and I still had just like shame. I didn't want to see, I was an entrepreneur. I didn't necessarily want someone to see I was managing my money because I wasn't sure if I was doing it right. And just had all these insecurities. And I still felt, I remember going to my first meeting and feeling so anxious and like leaving, feeling so much lighter, like being like, Oh, I was doing all this stuff. Right. And in this one conversation, they were like, Oh, we'll just like change this account to this account. Here's some savings we can see on your, um, for your taxes for next year. And there was all these little things that I, in the first session, they paid their like your retainer, which was amazing. So it's in those like shame moments, like kind of leaning into it has, while scary has been some big change moments for me. I feel like, and maybe, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like finding the right person too, because someone who's like, here's all the things you're doing right. And here's how we can tweak these other things instead of making you feel like you're an idiot and you don't know what you're doing with your money, which is I think what everyone's afraid of is someone being like, what is this? Mm -hmm. But someone who is really compassionate and patient and, and teaches you you. just take your money and do stuff with it. Yeah. (laughs) So being careful of who you bring in into that space and, um, yeah. That, yeah, that person is a part of your inner circle. It's vulnerable. And I do think, I mean, we've talked about like slow living or the ways we want to live our lives and what we want to prioritize. And I think depending on who that financial advisor is or who you choose to bring in, they have to be aligned with your values or be willing to hear you out. It shouldn't be something where you're like constantly defending yourself, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, another money mindset thing for me is, um, just like normalizing certain numbers. So I know for a long time, like 10,000 felt like a lot of money, which, which it is. There's a ton of people that that is a huge amount of money for, for them. But I think if you're trying to do this work and raise your prices and create 
more value in your business, like getting really comfortable with certain numbers is a really helpful practice to get into, not from a like being oblivious to the pain in the world position, but just being able to like go into a bunch of different rooms and feel like you belong there. So like really working on normalizing a certain amount of money that you're trying to charge whether that means spending that amount of money yourself in a way, investing in yourself the way you want people to invest in you or um, finding other things that cost that, that you can be like, oh, that costs that. This can cost that too, you know? Um, So I think a lot of times we put certain dollar amounts on a pedestal, like even certain revenue amounts. Oh, you know, I can't imagine hitting this revenue amount. Um, and it, and it makes it harder for us to achieve it if we have it on a pedestal than if we like are really comfortable with it. So any kind of practice around normalizing a number, whether that's putting the number everywhere where you can see it. So it just feels way more normal, um, doing some market research, find, yeah, finding other things that cost that walking into like a luxury store and being like, what does this car cost? What does this couch cost? You know? Um, that stuff can make it feel way more approachable. I mean, another one too that I think is just really practical is having your money make like, like creating a money flow. So a big thing is if you are wanting to bring in more money, but it doesn't have a place to go, it's going to get kind of like stopped up and it's just like, ah, there's nowhere for me to go. What am I, what am I supposed to do? So Money wants to go to work. Money wants to help you out. Money wants a place to go, wants like to feel like it has a cozy home. So a money flow for me looks like having different bank accounts or having different folders in a bank account where you can bring everything into one pot and then transfer it into the places it needs to go. So I know it's hard to maybe like hear it in just an audio, but like say everything comes into your business bank account. You can send a certain amount each week into your a personal account, and that's like your paycheck. So even if you're just starting with, hey, every month I'm going to transfer $100 to myself, that's to pay my bills, and then you gradually increase it so that you just get used to paying yourself from your business. Um, that's a really good practice to get into. And then you can start setting up auto transfers to savings or like a fun bonus travel account for you. Like I have, um, I try to do 5% of everything I make goes into a bonus account. And that like, this is a profit first principle. If you've read that book or heard of that book, um, you can only use that for fun things. And that has to be spent in just like a fun way. And it's really motivating because you're like, oh, I get to give myself a bonus. I get to do something fun. Um, and it keeps us from overly spending in our business. Because I know we all want to invest back into our business. We want to give our clients great gifts. We want to shoot film or upgrade our camera. But a lot of times we're doing it before we're paying ourselves, And I think that that's not a good habit to get into. So creating a money flow where you're automating paying yourself, you're automating saving, you're automating your bonus, you're automating your retirement investments, Um, then you can feel a lot more freedom with what is left in that account to spend it how you want to spend it because you decided beforehand with a lot of intention what those all need to be. Um, And so that has has helped me a lot. I feel like I have freedom, but also structure within my finances. 
Um, and then the other thing that really helps me with my money mindset is to just randomly give money away. Um, I really started doing this work when I was single parenting and I was constantly stressed about money. And, um, and a lot of it was just because I, I wasn't looking at my numbers and I had been relying on someone else, um, managing my money. And when I started taking it back over, I was like, Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. You know? Um, but anytime I would fall into this kind of spiral around scarcity, I would look for someone that I felt needed it more than me. Um, like a waitress that was at the restaurant we would go to a lot who was also single parenting. And um, like Jen talked about the $100 in her wallet, like sometimes that $100 wanted to go to someone else. And so I just like gave her that tip one time or um, would often like buy people's groceries in line and just like kind of like leave before they realized I had done it. And some of those things just like helped me feel like, hey, there's always enough to go around, no matter how scared you are, there's money to share, no matter how bad things feel, there's always someone that is worse off than you. Um, and it just gives you some perspective. Um, do you guys have, do you guys relate to any of those? Yeah, I think that giving for me is something that always helps me feel more abundant. Like it's, it doesn't ever make me feel like I have less which is good. And yeah, and it gets you off of yourself. Like I think sometimes giving, yes, it's satisfying for that person. It's amazing. It does something, but I'm like, I think this is more impactful on me. <laughs> I think that it really just pulled me away from looking at like my own lack or my perceived lack. Yeah. I think if we're just looking at our own belly button constantly, like we're just going to get more and more anxious, you know? And so finding anything that helps us look up and get perspective in the world is helpful. Yeah, for sure. Anything else that's helped y'all with money mindset? Like uh, we wanted these to be super actionable. So if you find yourself spiraling, you can like reference back to this list of tricks um, and just be like, let's try this one. Let's see if this helps me feel better. Do you guys have any other ones that you thought of? There was a time probably about 10 years ago where I knew I wanted to own a certain size business and I was purchasing a house and it was in a neighborhood in Nashville where like everything was going up and my family, anyone I knew had never spent that much on a house. And so it felt really scary and we had to be like a little scrappy to get it and like rent out the upstairs and all this stuff. And I just remember having this moment where I was like, if I want to get to where I want to in business, which is really important to me. And if I want to be able to do like vacations with my family or be generous the way I want to be generous, this has to be a small number to me. And so I just, that was a thought that like really changed. Like I just kept focusing on a certain number being like, this is small. This is a small number. And this is just how much things cost. It's not, it's not expensive. It's not like, I just try to normalize it as much as possible. And it totally changed. Like when I had to make big spends for business or have had to buy other real estate, it's changed everything. It was a really big pivotal, pivotal money moment for me. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point of like the things that we're reciting in our heads or saying out loud mm -hmm. to are important. Like if we're walking into a place and be like, that's expensive or that's too yes. expensive, or I can't afford that. We're training ourselves that that's like not for us. Yeah. yeah. And so I think like even watching what we're saying is so important in this too. 
I think also giving yourself permission to not talk about money with certain people. Like I have friends that I dearly love that I don't talk about money with anymore. And I'm honestly going to say if they start talking about it and we're out to dinner, I kind of like zone out (laughs) (laughs) because I just am like, it's not my job to change the way they think about money. Like when they're ready, they'll be ready. And I don't want to engage in this conversation and not necessarily like if they're struggling or something, like I want to hear about it. And I want to know like if they want advice or something like that, but if they're going to just talk about like how expensive everything is and go on and on about inflation or how much a struggle, you know, how they've always struggled and they don't think they'll ever get out of it. And it's just like a complain fest. Like I have to, I've had to be like, it's okay to protect myself and protect my mindset because I don't really have the space to be brought down. Like I don't want to. And sometimes that changes who you're around. Like you'll start notice. I started noticing it everywhere and being like, I actually don't think I can even spend time with this person anymore. Cause it's just too, it's too much. I can't take it. Well, it affects your behavior and the success of your business and things too, if it really gets deep in your head, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you said like the way you talk to yourself, like, and Kristen pointed out, like, I don't remember, I think it was a podcast or something. And the lady was like, I, I don't say I can't afford that. I say, that's not a priority for me right now. Or I don't have the cash on me at the moment. Mm-hmm. And like that even shift of like, that's too expensive or I can't afford that. Like the way you say those things, even it's like, that's not a priority for me Mm -hmm. or I don't have the cash on me for that. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it different than if you just say like, we can't afford it. Yeah. It, I think that those statements disqualify you. I think there's something in us where we're like, and that means I will never have it. Mm -hmm. Like that's too expensive. And we're, and to me, in my mind, I'm like, I'm disqualifying myself. And then I'm saying like, I'm actually never going to be in that place yeah. where I qualify for that rather than, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, say, it's not possible today. Yeah. <laughs> like today. Yeah. But like, true. I do love that. Yeah. That thing is awesome. It's great. Like there's nothing wrong with the thing and there's nothing yeah. wrong with you. And one day you might, you know, yeah. feel aligned, yeah. but not today. It's okay. Not today. Yeah. Yeah. We have vacation with different families. And as my kids have gotten older, seeing the way their friends talk about money and observing them, like if we go to Target and you know, it'll, they'll be talking about something and they're like, you know, 12 year old girls. And one of them will be like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive. And I'm like, girl, your shoes like are more than my shoes. Like, what are you talking about? It's just funny to see like the conversations you start having around money, what you think about it, even in middle school mm-hmm. and then trying to like change, like I've been trying to really change language in my house to be like, this is actually the work I'm doing inside me is so impactful. It could be impactful on generations of people. Mm-hmm. Like if how my parents talked about it has impacted me and impacted my business, all the stuff I've had to work through, like what an opportunity to change the way I talk that could change, you know, like, I know this is like kind of fine, mm-hmm. kind of like my grandkids or like where people go to school or where they choose to live. Like these little, these statements and mantras and things we're working through really, really are weighty and matter. I think we have to think about how broad the term like that's expensive is like expensive for who it's like the true to size, like true to size for who it's like, who, who's, who's the measure? What's yeah. the measure? Yes. Like what's not ex- like, what's not expensive to me might be expensive to someone else. It's like, it's not that the price is expensive. It's that your priority doesn't align yes. and that's okay. That yeah. like takes the shame out of it. That's not a priority for me right now mm-hmm. is different than saying you're too expensive. 
Yes. And I think that language shift can just make such a difference in like the way you feel, the way the people you're talking to about their offerings might feel. It's like putting out a totally different message. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest underlying thing too is teaching yourself, like teaching ourselves how powerful we are to create exactly what we want. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I can't afford that house today, I can make more, I can make more money. I can create the resources to afford it someday, Mm -hmm. you know, like taking that responsibility back on me and saying like, I I can create that. Like, I think that's part of being a creative is we can also create opportunities for ourselves, resources for ourselves. Um, you know, yeah, money, we can create it. So I think when creatives are like, I'm creative, I don't want to talk about finances. I'm like, money's creative. Like you're constantly creating opportunities and money for yourself. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think it can change like the same way you're photographing the same way you can be in that slow with like beauty and art is, and then sometimes you get frustrated and get like a block there. Like money's yeah. It flows really similarly. So just energy, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we put these together in a cute little download. So if you want to grab it, you can go in the show notes and you'll have a little like cheat sheet for when things get sticky on the money mindset side of things. And if you're listening to this um, before the end of the year, or even if you're listening after, after the new year, we have a money mindset challenge within our membership. We'd love to invite you to. Um, and it walks you through um, I think like 10 different days, 10 weeks of um, of challenges to help you kind of like reset money mindset things, get your get your uh, finances in a good place. So we'd love to invite you to check that out too. The link's also in the show notes. So thanks again for tuning in. We always love to connect with you. Always feel free to slide into our DMs um, and let us know what is resonating and what isn't. And we just hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shammy D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time.